0: When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan.
1: The New York Mets, for the first time in 15 years, are champions of the National League.
0: When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The
1: Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey
0: app. (laughs) Hey, yo.
2: Inside the 1 o'clock hour on the fan. Give me a second nigga. get it together, y'all. Yo. If you want to laugh, Marco just... Marco is funny. Marco will come in here. He'll come in here for like two, three minutes and just drop something on me that's hilarious. So the last update, we were laughing about James Dolan. And then he just told me to go look up Clemson's Brevin Galloway. I'm not gonna say anything else. Go on Twitter or Instagram <laughs> and look up Clemson guard Brevin Galloway. He he couldn't play in the game tonight. <laughs> he's gonna be out for a little bit. Go check out Brevin Galloway. It's spelled B R E V I N Brevin Galloway G A L L O W A Y. Yeah, Brevin Galloway. He's in the. <laughs> he's in an interesting situation. Uh, He went live on his Instagram with a post. Uh, But if you go on Twitter and search Clemson Brevin Galloway, you'll you'll get a little bit of a laugh. Uh, Keeping my eye on the hoops, man. Uh, Keeping my eye on anything coming up in the uh, NBA world. Trying to not miss anything while I'm hosting that might be happening in, in the NBA. Now, the Knicks won tonight, and I've already... Called it the Knicks' best win of the season. Bing bong. Uh, the Knicks beat the Celtics tonight, 120-117 in overtime. They didn't crumble. They didn't give it away at the end. They got good performances out of almost everybody, and that's how you win games. The Nets fall into a trap game, but Nick Claxton has set his career high in scoring the last three nights. Three games in a row, he's had a better scoring performance than he's ever had, and this guy is getting conversation in Defensive Player of the Year. His uh, 2K rating just went up from, I think, like 80 to 85. He's stepping up in KD's absence. He has been great. But the Nets fall short. The Nets lose to the worst team in the East, the Pistons. That sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, Shout-out to Bleed Green Jets on Twitter, who said last time the Knicks beat the Nets was three years ago. Three years ago yesterday. And uh, he also followed that up with the Nets won the last eight versus the Knicks. I already said that tonight. He said the Nets are 12-2 and in their last 14. Looking like no KD, obviously, no Curry, and possibly no Warren, no Simmons. So there's no excuses for the Knicks Saturday, but let's go Nets. It's going to be Kyrie trying to put up 50 and uh, Nick Claxton trying to put up 30. But I've already said tonight the Knicks have a little squad developing. They might not have Donovan Mitchell. They might not have a big three. They might be called the mid-three. But now at this point of the season, they're playing good basketball. And guys like Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson are playing at an all-star level. So Knicks fans can be proud. They can start talking about their team in a little bit different light. Like You go and beat the Celtics, people have to put respect on that. Now let's go to young Josh, sorry to keep you waiting, out in Passaic, go for it young man.
3: Thank you, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, despite the Nets uh, playing down to their competition and losing to Detroit tonight, it is what it is.
3: I mean, yeah, it looked like one of those like Pistons Magic, Piston Rock, Pistons Rockets game, where like even the other teams playing up some stupid shots, it gets high scoring, not a lot of defense, and one thing that's worrying me, obviously, the Nets have managed to beat the Knicks the last eight times, as you said, even when they are extremely short-handed when Cam Thomas had his big game. But now the Knicks are coming off a great one. The Nets are coming off a bad loss. I mean, it was looking good for them. They won two in a row, went to Philly, played pretty solid, almost got that one out. Now bad loss tonight, though.
2: Yeah, you know who hates the Knicks the most out of all the players on the Brooklyn Nets? KD. And guess what? KD's not going to be on the floor. KD takes it personal. When KD's playing against the New York Knicks, he takes it personal. So if there ever was a time to bet on the Knicks beating the Nets, it's Saturday. It's coming up, and I'm not going to go to that game. I was thinking about it, but I'm not going to that one. I don't want to be in there to see that. I've been in there for a few of these last wins. I was I was there, I think, like three or four of the last eight wins um, that the Nets got at home. But I, I think I'm going to sit this one out.
3: And with the Giants on receivers, I mean they already tried drafting receivers, right? The last two years, Tony and Wanda Robinson. I don't think drafting receivers is going to work out for them. They gotta go sign somebody. I mean, maybe they could possibly look at Devontae Adams if the Raiders decide to blow it up, right? If they trade Derek Carr, their defense isn't that good. Maybe they'll try to do uh, just to disassemble.
2: Yeah, I you know all these things like they they have like an order. And one thing leads to another. They're all connected. It's hard to speculate and call because maybe, you know, when the combine happens, there's someone they really like. I know last night we were going through Mel Kuyper's picks, and Mel Kuyper was saying that the Giants are going to draft Jordan Addison. I think that'd be cool just because I'm familiar with him from playing at Pitt with Kenny Pickett, and he can go. He can get it. But, yeah, I don't know. I think they should try and sign a free agent or trade for somebody but yeah, we were just talking about Daniel Jones and his money uh they gotta get crafty, but what I'll say for the you know for the Giants is like they they have the right guy they and Joe Shane right it's not Dave Gettleman anymore Joe Shane the spotlight's on you bro that's why they brought you here do your do your thing you know work your magic
3: I feel like with Daniel Jones he's kind of like Brandon Nimmo. Like right? they know how to play the game they're not extremely special in any way they play it well, and these guys are forced to overpay them. Okay, small correction. I'm actually in Florida right now, just to use a Josh from saying because that's kind of how it's been for the last year.
2: Hey, Flex, good for you. You're down in Florida. It's cold. It rained a ton. It's whack, man. We're in like the like actual winter now. I'm I'm waiting for it to snow up here next, and then I'm gonna definitely be sick, wishing I could go to Florida. Spring training's coming up. I'm not gonna be able to head down this year, but. Good for you getting down to Florida. That's what New Yorkers are supposed to do, escape New York during these January, February winter months and go to sunny Florida.
3: Yep, I'll enjoy it to the fullest, Keith. Thank you. Have a good night.
2: Thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, a few things. Uh, With the Nets and the Knicks, it's not a rivalry if one team is always winning, right? It's not a rivalry if you've lost eight times in a row. And I know Julius Randle... He gets super frustrated. We've seen him after these Nets Knicks losses. He he's ready to go. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if like the way the net look like tonight the Nets him the Nets didn't play any defense, bro. They gave up 137 points to the Pistons. Um, no, that was they gave up 137 points last night to the Sixers, and if they didn't shoot as well, they would have been out of that game. Uh, tonight they gave up 130 to the Pistons. And you got guys on that team, they're all like under 25. You got guys on that team putting in shot, like getting shots or putting in like work. Former Nick Alec Burks, 20 points. Sadiq Bey had 25. Like they had, I think, nine guys in double digits, eight guys in double digits. So they had their way. You had uh, Killian Hayes get 16, Uh, Hamadou Diallo with 12. They, they came into Brooklyn rested and ready to go, and they caught the Nets on the second half of a back-to-back. It is what it is. I don't really care to talk about it. But I think, you know, as it's Friday now and we get into this football Friday on the fan and we're all talking about, you know, championship weekend and the playoffs, playoffs the playoffs, I think that, you know, I know Evan is definitely going to touch on it. Uh, BT maybe, you know, Boomer and Geo probably too. This Knicks-Nets matchup. And because the Knicks are coming off their biggest win of the year and because the Nets just lost back-to-back and they don't have KD, it kind of sets the stage for the Knicks fans, right? All we hear about is, you know, Knicks run New York, New York forever. Yeah, you know, all of that is true. But on the floor, the Nets have run the New York Knicks. They have dominated the New York, New York Knicks. And we've been wondering, you know, it's been three years. We've been wondering when is it going to, Change. When is it going to happen that the Knicks are able to get one win? And if I had to bet it Saturday, which probably means that the Nets figure out some kind of way to win. My guy, Lewis out in Brooklyn. What's up, Lewis? You're on the fan.
1: Hey, first of all, good news. The defensive coordinator of the
2: Cowboys in Spain. DQ, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving Michael Parsons.
1: They think that he may end up being, not now, but. Eventually, down the line, he may be a head coach.
2: Yeah, because coach if uh, if Mike McCarthy goes to the playoffs and loses again, if Dak Prescott throws interceptions, they're just going to blame it on Mike McCarthy, and they're going to make Dan Quinn the head coach. Yep. Writing's on the wall.
1: <laughs> and what about the offensive coordinator? I think he's there. Maybe Jerry Jones will pay him
2: so, a lot to stay. As much as I hate the Cowboys, I do follow all of these reporters and these Instagram accounts and these people that talk about – the team and Kellen Moore is being evaluated. You know, Kel- Kellen Moore, they're looking at as like, okay, are we going to keep him? Because something's got to change with this offense, right? They, they're they stuck with Dak Prescott. But there's a lot of people looking at the Cowboys saying that Dak Prescott is good enough to win with. You know, there are moments where Dak is locked in and uh, he makes some plays. But they're saying that the Cowboys need to put, one, more talent around him, better receivers, um, you know, Get and a also,
1: Maury Cooper back. Can they get Amari Cooper
2: nah, back? No, they, they moved on from him. He's going to stay there <laughs> with uh, Deshaun Watson and be Deshaun Watson's number one target. But they can get some better receivers. Like Michael Gallup, to me, is mid. Uh, Dalton Schultz, they better pay and keep him. Uh, CeeDee yeah. Lamb, another yeah. year. And Tony Pollard with the broken leg. I, like, I don't know. They got to just get some more weapons. But really, it's Kellen Moore's offense and his system. A lot of people are questioning the play calling. A lot of people are questioning why you put Dak in so many situations to throw the ball and turn it over and why he has some of these, like, design plays and these formations where, like, Dak just gets in trouble. I don't know. I don't know why they're absolving Dak because I'm looking at Dak and I'm like, this guy sucks. And, like, I've supported him, but, like, this season, he went out week one and you saw Cooper Rush come in and lead the team to victories. He took care of the football. Dak led the team to
1: victory. Maybe they... Maybe they should put Cooper Rush. I mean, maybe nah. Cooper, the thing is, job. Cooper
2: Rush is is super mid. He's and he's older. He's gonna be thirty next year. Like he's a career backup. He's good enough to do the job because he's been in the system. But like he, you can't win with Cooper Rush either. You can win with Dak Prescott. But like I, when I say Dak sucks, he's the one throwing the ball. He's the one being careless with the ball. You got to take care of the football in any level, in any league. You got to take care of the football. Look at Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is about to get money now. Daniel Jones wouldn't be getting getting money if he was still the Daniel Jones that was throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball. You take care of the football, good things are going to happen. I can live with a quarterback that only throws 15 touchdown passes but doesn't throw 15 interceptions.
1: Well, I think Dak said that he'll be more careful next year,
2: whatever uh, happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll never <laughs> happen again. Like, please. Keith,
1: I want to bring up something that I heard, I believe it was yesterday, I was upset about. I'm curious what you feel. Um... With Evan and Carton saying the following: "That do whatever it takes to win, even banging on garbage cans and deflating footballs." <laughs> Are they condoning cheating? I mean, do they do they approve of steroids? Do if, they approve of Pete Rose? Uh, you know, illegal betting. I don't know.
2: I mean, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, I didn't catch that. But the the phrase is, "If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying." Everybody's looking for a competitive advantage. I don't know.
1: I know, but would you tell your kids to cheat, do anything to get a hundred on a test?
2: (laughs) No, but we all have cheated on some kind of test at some point. (laughs) Okay, you know,
1: (laughs) I was surprised. I wrote them a letter of protest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate your. I've got I've got a couple of your letters. I think. (laughs) <laughs> no,
1: not you. I wrote to
2: them. No, I know. Um, but I know you write letters and send letters to the fan. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the... Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't
1: know your email. I would email you. I
2: yeah, think, you Too know, many people know, people know my email, my phone. I'm getting to the point. I, somebody hit me on my on my, my phone. And I've had my phone, same number since I was 13. I got to get a new phone number. Wow. But somebody hit me and I said, bro, where'd you get this number? And he was like, your Facebook. I'm like, I haven't logged into Facebook in like a year and a <laughs> half, so I finally like changed my password, logged into Facebook, and took my number off. I'm like idiot. I'm like, <laughs> you like, anyways, talking
1: about the playoffs. I I don't believe the 49ers are going to beat the Eagles, but I don't know what would happen between the other two games. That's going to be so competitive. Like whoever has the ball last, between Mahomes and Joe Burrow, that's going to be a
2: great game. I, I'll tell you this: I don't think the 49ers are going to beat the Eagles either. It's it's hard to play there. They've got the the rookie quarterback that everybody keeps saying he's bound to look like a rookie. He looked like it's some, and I think the Cowboys' defense put on film what to do against them, that the Eagles are going to take advantage this week. I don't know about Mahomes. I know that they're telling us he's ready to go, but I watched that play. Uh, Arden Key came down on his leg, and he was visibly hurt. And if he's not healthy, there's no way the Chiefs are going to win. There's no way. I don't care if Isaiah Pacheco is running the rock. Uh, trap. Like he has to be mobile. He has to be able to stand in the pocket and make throws. And they're gonna come down on him. And and they're gonna blitz him. And the Bengals, they have a chip on their shoulder. And they have Joe Burrow, who is like, uh, he's the coolest. He's Joe Cool. He's he's set on getting back to a Super Bowl and winning it. I just think the Bengals got it. They're not afraid of them. I don't know. I and a lot of people are saying, no way they lose four times. Yes, way. I just and, and I know none of us know, but I just think with a compromise. Patrick Mahomes and a like you know motivated Joe Burrow and company, the Bengals are on a mission and they're gonna go in there and and, and beat them again. They have they they already have the confidence of beating them. Here's the other factor: like this game is on the Chiefs' defense. The Chiefs' defense has to sack what? Burrow and they have to guard Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd, I just don't think they can do it. I've seen other teams. But is the Bengals'
1: offensive line so good? I mean, Burrow gets sacked many
2: times. It doesn't. The thing about Burrow, he isn't fast, but he is elusive. He can, like, move in the pocket and, like, dodge guys and get throws off. And he knows what to do with the ball before they even get to him. So, no, their offensive line isn't great. But the Chiefs' defensive line going up against him, it's not like, you know, like there's been a lot of talk about Chris Jones because he's all pro and, you know uh i heard evan say he's got no playoff sacks it's on them if the chiefs front can actually like get to get to burrow and actually like affect the game then maybe they have a, a chance but i just think it's a bang was way i want to end with
1: this keith i want to end with a good note the cowboys this year beat the giants beat the eagles and beat tom brady <laughs>
2: And then they beat themselves in San Francisco.
1: <laughs> and so I want to have a different commercial for Town Fair Tires. Nobody beats Keith McPherson. Nobody. Appreciate <laughs> Lewis you, from Lewis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> what a guy. Lewis from Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, the Cowboys beat themselves, though. You can go back, look at different plays, and chop up that game, and I haven't done that, but I've seen it on like NFL Live and, uh you know, NFL Now and, and NFL Network. They have plenty of opportunities, and it's deja vu, you know? They go back to two years ago. Dak couldn't get a playoff, you know, clock management with Mike McCarthy. Like, they beat themselves. The game was there, so they don't deserve anything. They don't deserve to win. Let's go back to the Bronx. This time we got Tom on the fan. What's up, TOM? Hey, Keith. What's going on, pal? Hey, uh... Sorry, you lost your brother, but
4: um, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry that he broke your foot because it gave you this career. I feel like and yeah, it
2: and you know it's it sucks. We all lose people. Uh, my brother's birthday is actually coming up Monday, uh, and he was ten years older than me. And it's funny because there was this like video that was going viral of like an older sibling like putting his uh, little brother's foot in the snow. I sent it to my mom. I'm like, when yeah. I was little, Sean threw me into a blizzard. With, like, just my boxers on. Like, my brother literally used to just harass me, but, like, it made me who I am. Like, you know, and he literally altered my college career. My birthday is May 1st. We went out drinking when I freshly turned 21. He got me hammered drunk. I started talking trash to him. We're outside of some bar in Red Bank. I forget which one it was. And him and I lock up. I get the best of him. Then he gets the best of me. I take a step off the curb, break my left foot. And then I can't play football in August. <laughs> yeah. He didn't care. He didn't care. He's we're like He's like, that's on you, bro. <laughs> that's on you. Uh, yeah, that Gen
4: X really put us millennials in a different place,
2: huh? Yeah, you gotta yeah, when you got a brother ten years older than you, you just you just learn to be competitive. You're losing in everything. Video games, cards, fighting. Uh it just I don't know. It made me competitive, made me tough. Um, and I didn't have my dad around, so having my brother ten years older than me was like having yeah. a father figure when I didn't even know I needed one.
4: Absolutely relate, man. I got a half brother, you know, same ten years older. But regardless, um, to that point, like fate kind of makes writes its own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of sports is a soap opera to the extent that we watch. You know.
2: Yeah, I love it. I think it's a, that's why I tell people all the time. like, I don't watch movies. I watch sports because they're they're real life movies. There's nothing more enta- more entertaining than, than watching live sports and seasons play out. The narratives, like the NFL, Season. is undefeated. The narratives just write themselves. Like it's, it's amazing.
4: Is rated soap opera, right? So my dad didn't give me much, but he gave me the Packers as as a fandom, right? And, uh, for whatever reason, NFL, you don't need to be in that city.
2: Yeah, you know? and I mean you've seen so, you've seen uh you've seen Favre lose a Super Bowl. No, Favre won a Super Bowl and um, Rodgers won a Super Bowl.
4: Oh, it's been good. That's the only good thing he gave. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. It's been a good life. I mean, it, you know, sorry about the Cowboys, but, you know, you chose that yourself.
2: My, um, my brother was a Giants fan. I, I got to switch and be a Giants fan. <laughs> yeah, yep.
4: Yeah. So so, so now, the, you know, the story unfolds. Like, Favre's goes to the Jets. I think Hackett to the Jets is a Rodgers move. I think Rodgers... Like, it it unfolds on so many levels that I love it. Like, uh, he just did the whole teaching rookies how to play without hacking, right? I think think his appreciation for having him when he had his two Super Bowl uh, MVPs and not going to Denver, and now they can both link up with the Jets, and you got uh, Johnson & Johnson with the vaccine money ready to just, yeah, I can take that on the chain to me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, give me Rodgers. He's back in town. He can kind of guide Douglas a little more. And then I heard a, uh, the previous call, the young kid. I mean, I hope he gets to the top of the list just because he got to get up to school in the morning. Um,
5: <laughs>
2: I mean, the Aaron Rodgers you know? thing is a slam dunk if they can do it, right? It's, it's a yeah. no-brainer if they can do it. You, you you have all this quarterback drama and trouble over the years, and you have the chance to get, like, the GOAT that, like, a lot of people consider Aaron Rodgers the best quarterback in the league, one of the best quarterbacks they've seen. Like that just immediately changes your entire team and projections and uh, you know don't have to you don't have to coach this guy. You don't have to worry about this guy.
4: Well oh, and he was he's heads with uh what's his name? Uh the other you know and it's funny too that's the other guy who just left brother.
2: Matt LaFleur. Yep. it's, it's you know, funny I mean, how it all connects. Mike LaFleur is oh, out. Come on, bro. This he leaves Matt LaFleur to come to New York, and he's reunited with Nathaniel Hackett. Like, it, I can see it. The, you know, it's all right there. But, you know, I just don't – for some reason, I don't trust the Jets to get it done.
4: Nah, bro. Yo, big yo big brother uh, Johnson is back in town. He's back from yeah Yeah,
2: yeah. Woody – I mean, this. and Woody did come out and say he'll spend. But, like, they, they got to see it through. And if Aaron Rodgers – you know, the more I think about Aaron Rodgers – Maybe he does want to come to New York. Maybe he does want to experience somewhere else. Maybe he does want to see what the city's like versus Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's completely different over here. And uh, if they make it worth his while, then, you know.
4: He, he, him, similar to Hackett, in my opinion, are trying to clear their name in a large media city. I mean, there's no bigger than New York City, but, I mean, everybody's going to get to the depths of who these two guys are. In the midst of them winning, and he gets to go against Belichick. He gets to challenge himself. You know that ayahuasca the trip, says you got to challenge yourself. Yeah. So, he, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's yeah. out here looking for this. Yeah, I definitely
2: think that, that that's a part of him too, right? Like, the challenge of, like, coming to New York, this franchise has been miserable, I can be the savior, and if I can actually go win another MVP in Super Bowl for the Jets, then I bow wow. out and, like, that's better than that's better than Tom Brady going to do it with the Bucs. Uh, it's clearly better than what Favre was able to do because Favre wasn't able to actually finish the season and get it done. I, I can see yep. that. I can see that. I would he love to. He back
4: to me when he went to Minnesota. And I think uh, he's, you know, Brady's probably going to end up in with the Niners. And he's a Niner kid, but he's going to lose to Brady. But you know what he said? Let me catch Brady in the Super Bowl. Jets, Niners, Super Bowl, and he beats him. And he, you know, the glory could be there. But, I mean, what are the Jets going to do? I was watching Piper, and he's saying that at the 13th pick, they're going to take another receiver. you got those two guys. It's all there. And, uh, you know, and the show popper of the NFL is the top-rated thing, man. Yeah,
2: they Plus, should draft, draft the offensive team. lineman, honestly. They should put somebody else on that on that O-line. You can't trust Makai Beckton coming back. I know AVT is supposed to be good coming back. I'd draft another offensive lineman. They're saying they're going to take the kid out of Ohio State. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jeeba, and pair him up with his former Ohio, Ohio State buddy Garrett Wilson. I mean, those two would be problems. Like Garrett Wilson came in the NFL, NFL ready. That kid's coming into the NFL, NFL Who's ready as ball? well. Yeah, Aaron, yeah, Aaron Rodgers throwing a ball you know, it won't matter, and that's what I'm saying. You can't waste. You can't waste Garrett Wilson. You get Aaron Rodgers and pair him up with Garrett Wilson. <laughs> they will light the league up. They will light the Come league on, up. Bro.
4: And the kid Josh earlier, the Young Jedi, was talking about uh, Devontae Adams being available in the blow-up. I mean, they restructured cont- contracts, and, and Johnson, Johnson is talking about paying people. Hey, let's re- re- uh, let me give you signing bonuses to both of you. They're back in town. You think they weren't texting going, hey, I wish we stuck together?
2: A whole I don't know. Right, right now, Jackson's we're at, the, we're play at play the, the part of oh. the like NFL season and the new year where anything is possible. Uh, but, you know, it's good to dream but also you got to like have some caution, slow your roll a little bit because, I don't know, it's the Jets, and anything can go wrong as well. But right now it seems like everybody is talking about Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, so that's the number one guy. That's got to be the target. That's got to be the focus until that's not available. And the other side is the Packers have to be willing to make the deal, and I think they they already put it out there. We'll trade him to the AFC. We want two first-round picks. Okay, done.
4: Yeah, make that. You ain't getting better than that. Outside of that team, so it's a pleasure talking to you.
2: Let's go, Nick. Thanks for the call, Tom. I mean, I don't want to tell Jets fans to not dream. Yeah, d- definitely dream because you've been you've been dreaming of your quarterback, right? And if the dream comes to 2023 and that quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, like I said, you don't got to worry about that guy. You don't have to coach that guy. I want to see it. I live 20 minutes from MetLife Stadium. And I don't particularly like going to the Giants games because I grew up a Cowboys fan. I pulled up for Monday Night Football. That was a blast. If Aaron Rodgers is quarterback in the Jets, I'm in there. Why wouldn't you go see one of the best quarterbacks ever play in New Jersey? I'd like to see it, but I just I don't know, I can't get that far down the line. There's so many things that have to line up. Um there's so many things that have to happen between now and then. It's like it's like lining up a parlay. <laughs> you know, it's like a a 5-6 leg parlay and you need to hit on all those legs. Like one of those legs is not going to hit, blow the whole thing up. So we break it down here, Fleegs? We're at the halfway point. We might as well. One ish on the fan. Salicata comes up at 2 o'clock. My name's Keith McPherson. I got to take a break. Call me up, 877 337 6666. I'll be right
0: back. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. It's your turn to cause trouble. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports.
1: Visit superbook.com.
2: On the other side of one thirty now, the tail end of my show. Keith McPherson on the fan. I'll be back on the fan for a five hour KM to AM tonight, seven PM to twelve. A football Friday. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got uh, something planned. I got to do a little homework on. I started doing it, but I got to actually. It's probably gonna take me a while uh, to like actually do it, and I probably still won't get it 100% right, of course I will if I actually take the time, but it's gonna take me at least like an hour and a half, what I have prepared for football Friday, it's not a wrap um, (laughs) but I'm excited to talk about the Niners, the Eagles the Chiefs, the Bengals, tomorrow as we get ready for the second to last NFL weekend, that is sad but, if you're like me you like football and you like baseball and as soon as the Super Bowl ends you know what time it is, it's pitchers and catchers, and this year we have the World Baseball Classic, so a lot of fun to be had, and uh, I think these games this week are going to be great, I think they're going to be tough games, low scoring, smash mouth football, I'm excited for that, Uh, the NBA will start heating up as well, and uh, once we get past the World Baseball Classic and spring training, we'll have March Madness kick in as well, start paying attention to college hoops, start paying attention to different conferences and different players, and Reading up on who's who and what's what so that you can win some money filling out brackets. And uh, we'll keep rolling along, man. I can't wait for this baseball season. I really can't. I know it's going to be awesome. I mean, last year was great and there was so much hype and anticipation coming out of the lockout. And specifically here, this being the baseball capital of the world, the mecca of baseball now with all these superstars like I just was seeing on MLB Network. They got Francisco Lindor as the number one shortstop in baseball. And, you know, obviously Aaron Judge is king of New York. This guy's the MVP, got the big contract, and he's going to roll into the next season. They say he's going to have 44 home runs. He's projected to hit 44 home runs. I'll take 44. I'll take 40. I'm not expecting the guy to hit 60. I'm expecting the rest of the guys to step up around him. Let's get back to the phones. Let's go to Dave in Brooklyn on the fan. Hello, Dave. Hey, Keith, what's going on?
6: Hey, Keith, before I get to my point, let me ask you a question that you're uniquely qualified to answer. In your opinion, what is the biggest sport in New York City?
2: I think I had this question one night, and I think Sal came on after me and, and had a different answer. So I said football because I just feel like the NFL, like everybody cares about the NFL, but the reason it's not as big here is because our teams play in East Rutherford. Like if there was an NFL stadium in New York, like in Manhattan or in Queens or, you know, like it would I think it would be be a, a little different feel and also if the teams had a little better luck and were more consistently like good – but it's really baseball. It's definitely not basketball. It's not hockey either. It's it's baseball. There's so many Mets fans, so many Yankees fans. And, I mean, I, I used to think there were more Yankees fans than Mets fans. I certainly learned uh, in the last year there's a ton of Mets fans out there. It's it's baseball. It's it's 100% baseball. And uh, football is a close second, I guess. But Major League Baseball, the Yankees and the Mets draw the most attention, uh, the most conversation, and have the most fans, especially – Through the years, and you know, like the history going from uh, the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Giants to like it just being Yankees and and Mets, it's it's 100% baseball.
6: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I've been listening to the fans since May 1, 1987, you know what I mean? And there is no question about it, especially in those days, in the late 80s. This this was a Mets station. I mean, it, it felt like the Mets games were on FAN. You know, the joke was we didn't know when the. Um, when the host show ended and when the Mets pregame began, because they just seemed to merge into each <laughs> other. It, it just felt like the same thing. Just
2: roll right <laughs> into the next thing. Yeah, you know, I, I'm excited for this year. Uh, you know, I'll be on after the games. We, we're in the works of finding someone to do the postgame, Sweeney Murdy. Uh, you know, he's been here for 30 years, and it's going to be different not having Sweeney's voice. But John and Susan will be back. I don't know how many games John is going to do. But I'm excited for that. Like I'm the type of person with baseball. Like it it is like a part of, it might as well be on my calendar. It is a part of my like life schedule. Like every day every day is around first pitch. Is it seven oh five? Is it one oh five? Is it one thirty five? Is it ten oh five? And like what do I have to do to like be ready to watch the game for three hours? And now that I work at the fan too, it's like you know, go to the game and be ready to talk about it afterwards. Like I, I love it.
6: I'll tell you, Keith, when I was a kid and I was 12 years old and the Yankees lost like a Friday night game, I would say to myself, okay, so the next game starts Saturday at 1 p.m. I do not want to be conscious. I will try to go to sleep and wake up in time for the game because I don't want to be awake thinking
2: about this game any longer. (laughs) I don't even want to live in this loss. (laughs) I'm going to bed and I'm going to wake up. And it's gonna be first pitch that that's great and not but I feel that there's been some Friday nights where I've gone to the stadium and they've lost and I've come here and I'm not not that I didn't want to do the show, but I'm like I, I have to like shake off the loss and like pretend like I'm not absolutely like miserable with like a game that they wasted and I can't wait for them to get you know back on the field. There's been nights that I've hosted here and not gone to sleep till four and then woken up at like nine and drove to the stadium <laughs> and I'm right back in it.
6: I'll tell you, Keith, man, let me tell you something. In 1987 in Brooklyn, New York, I was the only Yankees fan I knew. I mean, honestly, I think in my whole school, it was just Mets galore. Are you kidding me? After the 86 World Series, I mean, I remember the night before the Mets played Game 7 in 86. Walking down the street and having some older guy come up to me saying, "It's do or die, right? It's do or die." You know, tonight Mexico gonna win the World Series. I mean, and the next day on the bus going to school, every single person on the bus talking about Bill Backner. Talk. I mean, it was. Wall-to-wall Mets. And even though the Yankees had Henderson, Mattingly, and Winfield, you know, three guys who, two of them in the Hall of Fame, one who kind of would have been if he didn't get injured, it felt like the Yankees were old hat. We had guys in our rotation who were old enough to be the fathers of Mets pitchers. We had three guys with white hair, Phil Negro, Joe Negro, and Tommy John, in their mid-40s. And the Mets were, everybody in the Mets except for Carter and Hernandez was born after 1960. So we as Yankees, we were like old school. We were so out of style. And the Mets were young and hip.
2: And I can't imagine everybody. it. I really can't. <laughs> Mets mania. The closest I've ever got to that was watching that 30 for 30 uh, once upon a time in Queens. And, like, it mm-hmm. did make me, like, really, like, I feel like I missed a complete chapter of, like, this whole city. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? If
6: you, uh, A good video that really gives that Mets magic, in my opinion, as a diehard Yankees fan, of course, but just watching it, you know, just looking at the other side, is the uh, 1986 Mets World Series video, you know, where they go month by month and how Whitey Herzog just declared in June, I think, that the Mets were going to win the division, like he was basically saying, we're out of it. And, I mean, 86 was crazy. I mean, just crazy. And I think that Mets mania lasted probably from 84 to about 90. And then they had that horrific, you know, early 90s stint. And then it was all Yankees from mid-90s on up. But, oh, my God, I'll tell you, in the late 80s, mid-80s, Yankees fans, we felt like old dads, golfing, like we just felt like old men, even though we had Mattingly Winfield and Henderson, you know, and those guys were incredible. But the pitching, such old pitchers, it just felt like an old, you felt like an old man when you were 12 years old as a Yankees fan in New York.
2: <laughs> it's funny, man, like 86, I, that, that was two years before I was born. 96 was my first year, like getting into baseball and the Yankees. Thank God for the core four, Jeter, and those guys in the run that they went on. Because I hear from Yankee fans in the stadium some of the older bleacher creatures and people they talk about the eighties and like even when you go back and look at the highlights, it's like where is everybody in Yankee Stadium?
6: Mm-hmm, absolutely. I can't They're imagine crazy. like
2: Yankee Stadium is packed no matter what. Mm-hmm. On a on a Tuesday, it could be a makeup game on a Monday at one and there are thousands of people. Um I, I, I don't know. It's hard to oh, visualize yeah. what like what what was in the eighties in New York City with baseball. Keith, they used to close the upper deck. It was closed. You couldn't go into right field upper deck. Have you ever seen that home run
6: that uh, McGriff hit off Rick Roden? If you type in Rick Roden or Rick Roden McGriff home run, you will see a moonshot that, that basically put McGriff on the map. Like, this was 1987. It was nobody there except the guard. I mean, nobody was in the upper deck. It, it was just a ghost town. You know, it was on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Oh, yeah, Tuesday I have
2: night. seen this. Yeah, yeah, that's a crazy
6: shot. <laughs> but yeah, I'll tell you, man, it's like uh, you know. And I, I mean, I, I was going to ask you about um, about third base. I don't even want to think about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Josh Donaldson. I mean, everything I read about it is like they've tried to shop Josh Donaldson, but that twenty-one yeah. million dollar price tag. Nobody wants the guy. You know, it's it's yeah. like you're the Yankees everybody paid attention yeah. to you this year you had the biggest name in baseball on the team so even more yeah. eyes were paying attention to the Yankees this year they all saw Josh Donaldson suck you're stuck with him yeah. whose bright idea yeah. was it to bring him here exactly he is so beyond his prime it is ridiculous it's almost
6: like he's, he's old man Donaldson at this point he's just like you just look at him and it's just he can't hold his swing back he he you know he'll he'll commit and check swing
2: strike three it's it's bad. His whole swing is timing, and him, like, him, I don't know. I just don't want to go through another year of it, but the Yankees will tell you that his defensive metrics are great and that, you know, he's been working hard in the offseason. They even made an excuse for him coming in late off the lockout and not having enough time to get acclimated. Come on. He's a, a pro ball player. He's a veteran, a former MVP, and he's played for multiple teams. He knows how to get acclimated, but, you know, what? the guy's a jerk-off, and— uh He's got a bad rep around the league, and Brian Cashman thought that that would be the spark plug. That would be the agitator to add to this clubhouse to, like, shake things up. Um, It was an L. He wasn't wasn't what they thought he was, right? Gio Urshela was better than him this past season, and, uh, uh, like, Brian Cashman literally said to the media, yeah, Gio was great, but he's no Josh Donaldson. What did you think Josh Donaldson was going to (laughs) be? Yeah, it's, it's I
6: mean, They were dreaming. They were dreaming of, of MVP Josh, and it just was <laughs> talk about a bust. I mean, this is you know, and and by the way, um, Gallo, Joey Gallo. I mean, he literally had worse numbers than Chris Davis. I think he he literally had the worst season in the history of baseball. Like literally,
2: he, I'm not just he saying, was literally got, like, the worst Yankees player at the plate. In like worse than like Chris Carter was. We're, I can't think of another guy. I I think when they, you know they crunch the numbers, they're like we, they've never had a guy with worse plate appearances. In no him. one has.
6: I mean, literally I think <laughs> in the 56, whole
2: league, not just in the Bronx.
6: Yeah, in history, like he may literally be the worst. He may have had the worst season in the history of baseball from 1846 to, to now. I it mean, was he, bad. It, it was bad.
2: I was in the stadium a lot. I I I went to like 40, 50 games, and he wow. would come up. And it would be weird. There was, like, a fraction of fans that would che- would cheer for him trying to pick him up. Right. And then you could hear guys just trashing him. This guy sucks. Come on, Joey. What you looking at? Like, you could hear fans getting at him. And it would be strike three. And he'd just put his head down. And you'd hear, yeah. oh. And it, it just was awkward. And I'm like, why do we have to go through this? I'm tired of seeing this guy.
6: Yeah. But, kid, I love your show, man. Uh, please take care. And, uh, yeah, you know, um. Uh... Uh, happy birthday on on Monday and you know, I understand it's a tough one for
2: you yeah. So, uh, yeah but life goes on and I know my brother's proud he loved New York City he left where we lived in Jersey at like 21 moved to the city and acted like he was a New Yorker so I know that you know me being on WFAN if my brother was alive he'd be in a cab somewhere or he'd be somewhere like yo turn on the radio my brother's on so I know I know he's he's up top proud and that like is, yeah. is all I need you know
6: and you're and you're on the top of the uh, the media mountain for sports. It doesn't get any higher than this.
2: So please enjoy your perch, okay? Thank you. Appreciate the call, I'll call Dave.
6: It, I'll call it your
2: throne, not your perch. Your throne, perch, throne, whatever it is. I'm I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do this. Good call. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, you know, I I speak on my brother because my brother lives through me. My brother didn't get married. My brother didn't have any kids. I'm the closest thing to my brother having a kid. And like when I lost my brother, I, it like. It put me in like i was a different person bro i gained like 30 pounds like it was the darkest time and uh i didn't know if i'd ever come out of that i honestly didn't and i remember last year it was around this time i spoke on kobe because i felt like we didn't speak enough on kobe on january 26 last year and i'm like i realized i'm like i'm the youngest host by i think like five years Kobe affected me way differently than the other, like, like he, Kobe was my, gen- like I watched Kobe come up, I just mentioned 96, right, uh, my brother graduated 96, and in 96, Kobe burst on the scene, they were the same class, same year, and I told the story about the first time I ever went to the garden, I took the train up from, I'm from the shore, I, I'm sure you know, you guys listen and know that, Long Branch train station. You know, I was born in the hospital right across the street from the Long Branch train station. You can get on that train, and it goes all the way up to New York Penn Station. And I remember meeting my brother and going to Madison Square Garden for the first time, and it wasn't to see the Knicks. It was in the time that I was figuring out where I wanted to bring my NBA fandom. I couldn't keep rocking with Michael Jordan because he was gone. He wasn't with the Bulls. I think he might have been with the Wizards. I had no reason to rep them. I wanted to be a Nets fan, but I really wanted to be a Kobe and Lakers fan. I love Kobe. Um, I just remember Kobe at Lower Marion. Uh, I remember him uh, going to prom with, like, Moesha. He was a superstar, and he was viral before we had social media, and he was a ridiculous basketball player. And him and my brother were the same age. And so for him to pass on January 26th, my brother's birthday is January 30th. Man, when Kobe passed three years ago, like, that hit me. I remember I was on the couch. I couldn't move. My wife told me the news, and I and I, I got mad at her. I was like, don't play like that. Like, don't ever say something like that. And I went on Twitter, and I kept refreshing Twitter, and I was just stuck. Like, I was hoping that it wasn't a reality. Um, so, yeah, they're, like, forever linked to me because, my you know, my brother was 22 at the time. I think I was 12, and he knew I love Kobe, and he knew somebody with some tickets to the Knicks game with the Lakers in town. And, and this is before we had cell phones. Neither one of us had a cell phone. And even if we did back then, it wouldn't have been able to take a picture. I would, I would I'd pay any amount, you know, to have a picture of me and my brother in the garden uh, seeing Kobe for the first time. We were high up, but it didn't matter. As a kid, you walk into Madison Square Garden in an NBA game and you just hear, you know, the accordion and, and everything. I just remembered, you know, just everything was so big and and bright. And New York was crazy to me. I was so scared of the city when I was young, but... Like I said, my brother moved to the city when he was 21, and you wouldn't even know he was from New Jersey. He was telling people he was from Queens. <laughs> he was living out in Queens. I remember going out to his apartment. So uh, even though I lost my brother when I was 27, um, I like know that like all of this was written in the stars. And like you know, I told someone recently, I'm like, I- I'll never get too high or too low, and I'll never get like too like I don't know like full of myself. Because I'll never be able to share this with one person. <laughs> like, I'll never be able to actually, like, talk to my brother. Like, I would love that. But that's life. And you got to share those stories. You got you to gotta tell those stories because somebody else is going through that, right? Someone that admires me might be going through something like that. And it might make them feel better that I'm able to, like, voice that on air, you know? And not trying to be dark, you know, not trying to take the show down that road, but... Uh, I honor my brother. Like I said, he didn't have a wife. He didn't have kids. And, uh, you know, he was always proud of me. He was always telling people about me. You know, even some of the people that he works with uh, or worked with in New York City, they've reached out to me to be like, like wow, bro, like <laughs> your brother used to tell us about you this and this when you were playing football or when you were going to college playing football and studying, when you were... You know, when you were working in the city, I used to meet my brother on the corner, like right by 34th Street, um, where like Macy's is, because he worked on 33rd, and I worked at MTV. We used to link up in the city, and uh, you know, chop it up and do things. And I would meet people that he worked with, and for them to see me, you know, be blessed enough to get on the radio, get on TV, and do my thing, they're like, "Yo, he's he's up there pulling the strings." So it was all written, folks. Don't 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 feel bad for me, or don't feel like. Uh, you know, it's it's tough. It is, but like I'm not the only one. We all go through this. This is literally like part of life. Milton, out in Brooklyn, the cowbell man on the fan. My guy, what's up? Yes, sir. Yes, sir,
5: man. Oh, sorry about your brother. Now, listen, that's great stuff, and uh, you know, it just goes to show you when you have somebody who's talking real. Uh, It is real, and uh, we all appreciate that, and uh, there's nothing fake about it, and you know you're doing your thing, brother, and that's much respected.
2: And Milton, (laughs) Um, you met me a few years before either one of us knew I'd be on WFAN, (laughs) so you know how real (laughs) it is for real. (laughs)
5: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Before that, man, and uh, and we always talk it up. And you still owe me. Uh, we're gonna have a show today, one together, one one
2: time. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I would love to bring happens. you into the studio to have a show, and I owe you some tickets yeah. to a, a Nets Knicks game. But I'm not going Saturday. I have to see what the deal is with that. I want to go. I'll bring you to a Nets Knicks game when I'm going.
5: Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You was talking about the '80s, and let me tell you something. I mean, you got to remember there was. Uh, there was no, of course, there was no social media, and not that many people even had cable. The the Mets were on channel nine; it was so huge. Now I'm a diehard like the, the guy. That's why I call because the guy just gave me a crazy flashback. Diehard Yankee fan in the middle of all these Mets fans in my school. Everybody's jumped on the Mets bandwagon. You know, I'm like you know, 13, 14 years old. So it was a lot of people were just turning that way, even if they were maybe a Fagazi Yankee fan. You would go with the Mets because they just started winning, and it was a an attractive, fun. Um, energetic team that would draw you in. And even though I was a Yankee fan, it was hard not to watch these games because everybody was. I mean, Keith, when I tell you, you could not go to a bodega, to a store. I remember playing Little League and like we used to go to the meetings Literally, you know, to get your uniforms, everybody had a TV on, and the Met game was always in the background. People were always; it was just always on. It was like an event every single night. It was almost like a like a Friday night Knicks every night. It was always Monday night football every night. The Mets were just like literally Monday night football every night, and it was everybody, and it was just crazy. And I was just with so much hatred and jealousy of the Mets fans because they would just never shut up. It was just nonstop, and the Yankees never won. It, just, like, it was just painful. I mean, I remember writing Mets. I wrote Mets suck on my wall in my school so much. that I, it, it, was, it must have been a million times I wrote that on the wall, just out of jealousy. And it's just, at that time, not seeing the Yankees win, you know, and the Mets winning, that's what Mets fans are feeling towards the Yankees. That's why I crack up when Mets fans call. Mets fans call. All they do is talk about the Yankees because they haven't won. If the Mets fans ever get two three championships, they won't worry about it no more. Look at the Red Sox. Now you could go to Fenway. Everybody's friendly. You know, it's just like, you know, but it's just, it was such an event and I got to give it to them. It was, it was an incredible World Series. It was the only time I was rooting for them because I wasn't going to root for Boston, my brother. It was not going to happen. I wanted to keep that 1986 chant alive so bad. And, uh, you know, and I never forget. Oh, is that the music? I'm sorry. Uh, real quick. <laughs> I was I, like, I, you I take that.
2: us out. You were doing
5: your all thing. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you out. I'm going to take you out real quick. Right after they, they won the World Series, a beep and The guy who looks out his window, he goes, hey, let's go, Mets. I looked at him. I said, no, brother. Let's go Yankees.
2: That's all <laughs> we got, folks. <laughs> DeKalb, right, though, brother. man. Keith McPherson, Salakot right. is next. I'll see you all at 7.
6: Sports Radio, 101.9 FM.